Hello and welcome to episode 5 of What the Hell is Economics? This is the podcast between me, Alf Lyons, and my dad, Dr. Jared Lyons, as I ask him a question I don't understand about economic theories and he calmly tries to explain it to me whilst I ask very, very simple questions whilst eating all the biscuits. In this episode, we're discussing smart cities. And what I want you to think of is, well, what do you imagine? This podcast episode actually gets a little heated at points and was really enjoyable to record. We talk about smart cities and evolving cities. And are there such a thing as silly cities? We talk about what a smart city is, why are they so important, and how do you turn into one? We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do enjoy the series and you haven't left a review yet, please do leave a positive review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Anyway, let's go. Hello, everyone. We are sat in my little maisonette. I decided not to buy a parking space in the end because I'm not very good at setting up a tent. So I'm still here in my little maisonette eating lots of chocolate. I asked my dad to bring some food round to my flat um, and because it is my dad, he bought (laughs) some chocolate fingers, some hobnobs, some tea cakes and absolutely nothing that has any nutritional value whatsoever. So he's absolutely as high as a sugary kite. What are you going to say, Dad? I brought digestives as well. And you brought digestives, fine. So you brought some solid carbs. It makes you worry what would happen if my dad lived on his own with just the cat, what he would survive on. Um, But today, well, yes, Dad? Cheese on toast. Cheese on toast. And mushrooms. And mushrooms. Dad will just quite literally eat a bowl of mushrooms on his own because he's an alien. So we are today talking about smart cities. Ooh, what does that mean? I have many images of smart cities, Dad, and we can today we've sort of been discussing the structure of this episode, talking about the what, the why, the how, and the when. When I think of smart cities, I always think about my smartphone using apps, technology, about connection and innovation. And the idea that a smart city, I visualise it as something very futuristic, this thing that is going to be resilient against any future downturns, plagues, apocalypses, zombie uprisings and whatnots. Something that's a very head of its game, something very sleek and modern. Um, so what I want to ask, Dad, when we talk about smart cities, I'm sure you've got some knowledge, more knowledge because you, you've written it all on some paper. Do we live in silly cities now then? I don't think we live in silly cities, although sometimes you might find different parts of any city silly, however you define that. But it's a valid point because the terminology is a bit strange, isn't it? Smart cities, people aren't quite sure what it actually means. In the past, people have used other phrases like future cities or connected cities. I tend to think smart city is a city moving with the times, actually, without losing all the good bits from the past. It's really about using technology, gathering data, using that data so that city operates more effectively in terms of provision of services, being able to get around. So a smart city, in theory, is about making use of technology and of data so the city operates more effectively to improve the quality of life. A city of Alexis, AI, very futuristic. But 
Is that not a natural thing? Aren't cities and towns and villages, aren't we just doing that anyway? Or is the idea of a smart city this idea of a massive sort of surge of energy into this significant change? Yeah, the surge. You're right. Cities naturally evolve. In fact, it's not just cities, towns, villages, the countryside naturally evolves in terms of where people live. Although it has to be said, many of the properties we live in are still similar to how they were in the past. But smart creates this idea of, as you say, a surge, quick change, as well as rapid transformation. I did go to a smart city. Didn't I tell you I went to a smart city once? I don't know. What was this? It was in United Arab Emirates. I think it was about 2014. I think it was called Mazda City. One of the big groups there, the government organisations, had invested heavily in the city, which was still then in its embryonic stage. It still exists. And it was about using solar, because obviously in UAE, lots of sun, solar energy. But... Um, in the smart city then, they had um, well, they had roads, but it wasn't like a city now. But they had cars where you got in, like taxis, and you got into the taxi and you spoke to the taxi. Hello? And you asked it to take you somewhere. But it was sorry, in can, the, you, can you do your, your car voice again, please? Hello? Um, <laughs> I, I think there was only I think there was only about four or five or six places you could take it could take you. But the idea was there to make a transportation um, intelligence, shall we say, about making the city more intelligent, I think was the idea. So you've said you've been to a smart city. So you, it, so it is actually a definition. You were registered as being a smart city. So you can't just say a city can't define itself as being smart. Here in the UK, there was a government document, I think around the same sort of time, 2013, Department of Beige, I think it was, a business enterprise, about smart cities. Uh, but the underlying theory then is the same as now, is about making cities operate more efficiently by using data and technology. But um, yeah, lots of cities um, have embraced the idea of becoming a smart city, even here in the UK. So it's not like you need to have a cathedral to become a city. I don't think there are thresholds mm -hmm. you need to meet. And I don't think there's a overarching organisation or godlike structure that says you are now a smart city. Say if you're the government, if you were governing the city, you would want to be able to provide your services uh, to tick all the boxes and to do so as efficiently as possible. So value for money. It makes me reticent the use of the word smart city because the visual imagery and especially when you mention data and efficiency, it makes me think of all the things I hate, such as the algorithms, the data, the fact that my data is never solely my own. Okay, it is well, collected and harvested by many companies I'm not even aware of. Right. Let's take it at a basic level. Traffic lights. You can use technology to allow the traffic to move more efficiently. Uh, the classic story, actually, is when the International Olympic Committee was visiting London to decide upon whether London should be the recipient of the uh, Olympic Games. The traffic lights were coordinated so that the IOC, when they visited, if you believe the stories, never encountered traffic jams. So you can have it at a basic level. But what we're talking about now is sensors. Sensors being used to determine how often people are moving about. If you go to a train station, for instance, the, the, a basic sensor, escalators stop 
when people aren't using them. These are just very basic concepts here. But when you have a smart city, it's about using all this in a more efficient way. It's often linked to being environmentally friendly. To being renewable. So the idea yeah. that constantly conserving, not just pumping out all this energy, saving it for when it's actually being used. So using everyone's data to work out exactly when people are on the motorways, exactly when people are going to be using the lifts, when they're going to be in the buildings, when they're going to be needing to be on the road in their cars. That's right. From a governing perspective, it makes it easier to monitor, plan and govern the city. We're talking about all this now because more people are living in cities. You want to avoid overcrowding. Bizarrely, we still have people wanting to all have a, the ability to go to work and come home from work at the same time. So we haven't yet got rid of the idea of rush hours, behaviours still being very much mm -hmm. as they used to be. Because we're but, human. Yeah, because we're human. But the idea about smart cities is that you can use data to allow things to be, shall we say, smoothed out but and work more efficiently. Smoothed out and worked more efficiently. It's like removing the human condition because you immediately think, when you think of future, you think of hoverboards, you think of robot butlers. You're thinking about all this stuff being a immediately done for you. Driverless cars, I assume driverless chains like the DLR. This is naturally removing people from certain workforces, certain areas of work that we take. No, it's in. complementary to, it's not a competition. It's not at the expense of people. Mm -hmm. It's not the, at the expense of people's ability to behave as they wish. India, for instance, back in 2015, mm -hmm. I remember following it then, they had their smart cities mission. And the main objective of that was to, I think the quote was, to provide core infrastructure, clean and sustainable environment, and give a decent quality of life to their people through applying smart solutions. So it's about solutions to problems. The problems being pollution, congestion, um, ability to access different services, because everyone might, in theory, want them at the same time. So in some ways, like looking at what the UK Parliament Post put up about smart cities, it's actually taking away the futuristic imagery because that sort of misleads us. It's really about using and collecting data in a way that isn't to sell you that thing you don't want on Instagram. It's not to tell you, hey, have you got an unnecessarily large amount of earwax? Or, hey, look, you're a young woman in your 30s. Let's advertise a pregnancy test kit to you. Again, it's about using that data to actually make the world better from an environmental, renewable centre yeah, okay. as we move into a world where we're going to be impacted by these risks significantly more. Right. You've got a whole host of issues there because private companies will naturally want to use data and information to sell you things. Not all private companies will want to do that. So that, But smart cities isn't necessarily about that. If you watch some futuristic movies, the idea is that you can be bombarded with adverts that are just focused on you, <laughs> not on other people. Okay, so it seems that we're now trying to work out exactly what a smart city is. But to conclude, from our conversation, from my perspective and from your perspective, smart cities are places that incorporate technology and data to address and make positive social, economic and environmental change in an efficient, productive manner. Yeah, perfect. So, for instance, I mentioned sensors earlier on. Some cities now have sensors, effectively devices that collect data, attached to what's called uh, actuators. 
So it creates positive feedback loops. The sensor triggers information. There's a response by a device mechanism, and then that results in a better outcome. For instance, to measure air quality, control light levels, um, things like that. So you're, you're spot on. And where are there currently smart cities in the world? There's no definition and therefore anyone can be a smart city, shall we say. But projects have been run across Britain, for instance. If you, The House of Commons Library had a nice report on this a while ago. And they actually cited that projects have been run across the UK in places like Belfast, Birmingham, Bristol, Glasgow, Hull, Manchester, Milton Keynes, London and Peterborough. So shapes and sizes of cities don't really matter. It's basically if you want to embrace the issue. And that comes on to a fascinating concept about who owns this idea. Oh. Because when information and data are there, there's the whole idea about ownership. But smart city projects, when you drill into the detail, sometimes they're implemented by local authorities, but also sometimes by universities, transport systems or transport operators, utility providers, and also the governing authorities. So the ownership is sort of slightly nebulous, shall we say. Obviously, you as an individual always want to control your own data, but the data we're talking about here is not you giving away something secret. It's you giving away data in terms of the actions you take when you walk down the street, when you drive in the car, when you get on public transport. That's quite frightening, though. Well, no, it's not frightening. It depends on how data is used. Mm -hmm. And how do you monitor who's using that data and how they're using it? Okay, well, if we go separate to smart cities, you get into the whole area of health where people are very naturally worried about their data being used. But as long as there's anonymity, then the more data you have makes it easier to provide solutions to problems. So it's about anonymity as opposed to specific personal information so this smart city sounds like quite a young thing though so some older people daddy and i'm not naming anyone but some older people i have met or lived with who have bought me say biscuits when i've asked for food can't operate their smartphones or indeed their smart boilers or indeed the remote control in the house some older not just some older people surely a smart city could potentially be quite exclusionary or could this not alienate a huge group? Is this something that everyone will want? Yeah, making it applicable and usable is therefore vital. It shouldn't mean that people have to conform. Individualism is always important. Especially in economics. Yeah. But yeah, you can have too much technology. There's no doubt about that. Well, you think your phone is too much technology. The only app I think you would like in the world is just an app called Where Is Cat? Where is the cat? Is the cat here? Like if you, I think the only time you would really like a tracker is if you could put it on the cat just to know where he is. That is the only thing you like that or something to tell you about the Fulham scores. Well, no, the cat does respond. I, if I say cat, cat comes back. I don't need an app for that. We don't have a name for our cat. He's just called Cat. I don't know why if... you're telling me that. I know that the cat's just called Cat. I used to live with you, Dad, because I couldn't afford to rent. Yeah, it didn't seem sensible to name the cat something that he wasn't going to respond to. But he just responds to Cat. Yeah. It's the funniest thing. When Dad's away, the cat will just get so stressed that we have to find recordings of you on the internet That's and untrue. play it. And That's then the untrue. cat will just See, in the smart city, the cat could actually have his own... <laughs> 
continuous feed of information. I think we're going off tangent here, actually. No, but, but the cat is it, interesting. Yeah. But your point, though, about whether all change is necessarily a good thing, even though you didn't say it in that way, mm -hmm. is applicable here. So it's about the use of data to make better provision of services, shall we say. But that doesn't mean that people, even if they're not technologically efficient, should be unable to use or gather that service. And we're making, so right now in the UK, we are making tracks to become and develop more smart cities. Yes. So if you look for it in that respect, there's data from different global organisations, but they often focus on the same issues, regardless whether it's the UK or other countries. It's better urban systems for transport, energy, healthcare, water and waste. They tend to be the same generic issues that come up whether one is looking at Shanghai, which I noticed recently was seen to be a smart city of last year, although some people will question that. So people's definition of smart cities, as I say, varies, but you do get similar or common themes. When we've been to certain cities, you always comment cities that are often deemed being very efficient. You often don't like them because the architecture, everything ends up looking quite the same. Uniformity is not necessarily a good thing. That's for sure. But um, about a decade ago, there was an interesting report by McKinsey's on cities. And at that time, I was doing a lot of work on cities, not just because more people were living in cities, but that was talking about the world's top 600 cities. And at that time, 157, if I'm correct, were in the so-called West. And the projection was that within a quarter of a century, so maybe we're halfway to achieving that now, only 20 would be in the West. And the point being that obviously Western cities are very well established, they've been there a long time. But what we're starting to see with rapid population growth in some parts of the world is cities have really grown from very small towns or even smaller cities only a short while ago. So there's a sort of conformity. Singapore, for instance, is seen as a sort of best practice in parts of Southeast Asia cities in that region almost want to replicate what Singapore has. But if you take the UK, if you go to Victoria, there was an interesting debate publicly about six, nine months ago, I think it was, about the new buildings around Victoria, how so many of them look the same, glass, unappealing. Now, I would imagine if we had been in Victoria back in the 1960s, the same argument would have been had because it was all very focused on concrete. But there is a danger that whatever is the mood of the moment takes over. Now, naturally, with smart cities, you can put the infrastructure in place. So you can actually have the technology almost embedded, and then you build on top of that. But uniformity is a worry. That's why I would say evolving, as I said at the very beginning, I don't like the terminology of smart cities, but cities that evolve have the best of the future, best of current developments, while retaining where they have it, their past. What would you call them instead then, if they weren't smart cities? Well, smart implies that if you're not smart, what's the alternative? And I don't think we, it would be fair to say there's a stupid city in the UK, uh, because all cities have their own sort of characteristics. Some cities are shabby. Some have seen better times. I think we all accept that. Cities go through cycles. Evolving cities might be a better phrase. OK, right. So we've sort of defined what what it is and why. Now, how? How do you make a smart city? So imagine I'm a shabby city 
I would like to be a smart city. I've been silly, I've had some ups and some downs, I've got character, but now I want to be smart. How do I go about it? How do I afford it? How long does it take? I'm not sure that there's a prescription in terms of you need to do A, B and C, but let's think about it. You're effectively saying, let's better use the information that is there, gather it, and then determine how the city currently operates and have a better outcome. Let's take one example in the UK. There was Future City Glasgow was cited um, in the House of Commons reports a few years ago, I think it was. And high-speed broadband is seen as an important enabler for smart city applications. So Glasgow reported that an initial return on investment that was quite significant. The figure, I think, was £144 million they had to their return. And basically, it was reporting the return on their investment where small firms also were seen as benefiting. So that was extra business was generated as a result of firms' involvement in it. Or you can use other examples. It's about um, coming back to that earlier point about urban systems for transport, etc. This market is seen as being huge. So coming back is about being logical. It's about making the city operate more efficiently. So it will probably require public investment or it requires someone to seize the initiative. Now, unfortunately, in the UK, we often have people saying public versus private. What one really sees in my mind with smart cities, if you take Singapore as an example, is the important role that the public and the private sector can both take in future growth and future development. So again, it's about gathering the data on transport, gathering the data on energy, gathering the data on healthcare, waste, water, and then deciding how you will use that data to either incentivize the private sector, say, or to incentivize how people behave or to just do things more efficiently than they are done now. What if people say, I don't want smart elevators, I don't want driverless cars, I don't want my data being used? Can it's you? Not, okay, you keep implying that it's um, something sinister. But it, like Peterborough spent £2 million on the waste to heat generation plant. That was to actually sort of make use of waste and provide a solution in terms mm -hmm. of heat. That's not going to impinge upon anyone, really, one would argue. So we're trying to find, it's effectively a public goods here in some different mm -hmm. concept. So people benefit without someone else suffering. Like we all benefit from streetlights. Maybe far better if streetlights don't stay on all night long, but come on when necessary, when people walk up and down the street. I think maybe they just need to... Smart cities just immediately make you think they're going to be smug and they're going to be irritating. And actually, they will be more irritating than they're worth. There'll be more problems and mishaps. Just call them sensible cities. That's what they're being, sensible cities. Sensible cities, yeah. You don't want it so it's full of technology that's not going to work. Yeah, it's like when you go to a really posh hotel or a fancy hotel and they've tried to do way more and they've put way more LED lights than is necessary and there's too many switches and you, all you want to do is turn on the light in the bathroom and you end up just opening up a very new, brand new portal in the living room into another room in the hotel and you just want to turn the kettle on. Well, you just want to open the window to let some fresh air in. And, it's only every, and then the air con is just unnecessarily loud. Yes. Premier in. <laughs> 
it's not about being intrusive. That's what you're really talking about. Okay. Though, isn't it? So the thing you mentioned about Peterborough, which sounds like a banging idea, well done, Peterborough. What is the difference? That just sounds like a practical, smart choice that you would hope your council and the governing bodies in your city would make naturally. So, what is the difference between a smart choice that you would hope those in power and able to make change are able to do, and then a smart city? One would hope it becomes natural. Okay, so it is just a natural progression. It's just the movement towards becoming one of these. Well, obviously, things need to be tailored to the requirements of a specific place. But we're talking about some common underlying themes here. And that's what's essential. And therefore, best practice should be able to be copied. But if we just think of London, the sewage system for the 19th century, the transport system, very antiquated, still works amazingly in some parts. If you're building a city almost from scratch, then you can actually avoid those inherent problems mm -hmm. or make it more practical. You use the latest technology. So again, it comes back to technology and data and what you need to be providing more efficiently. And we know as people congregate more, there's been going to be greater demand and resources. If, say you were, someone tomorrow said, Emilian, you're going to be in charge of constructing a smart city what would you want there so for me for a smart city if i was in charge of a smart city i would make sure that everything had better disabled access considering i would say in london just our tube system our underground system or any theater space considering 22 percent of the total population are registered as disabled i mean that incorporates a lot of well, variety of yeah. things but I would make that significantly, uh, you know, a major topic. Uh, so speaking it's about as connectivity an in some Connectivity. Respect. Connectivity is a big theme. Uh, you've highlighted a very important area, but you could actually say connectivity is a key underlying aspect of a smart city, whether it's in terms of making rush hours work better, traffic flow better, or connectivity in terms of internet broadband or as you say here, connectivity in terms of accessibility mm -hmm. and people being able to go about their daily lives freely and not be excluded from things. Well, it's like this. My friend Duffy, who's deaf, I asked him the other day, I was, we were chatting away, and I said, what happens if you need 999? And do you know there's there's only recently been changes made to ensure that if you're deaf and you're nonverbal that you can contact the emergency services? Like things that we just don't most people do not even consider. And it, rem it hit him. He went, I hadn't, he hadn't even considered it. But then he had to download an app that has been created by deaf activists purely to ensure that those are able to reach the emergency services. So being inclusive mm -hmm. isn't a part of this without making everyone feel conformist. Yeah. So I would ensure that my smart city was significantly more accessible um, and also complete focus on renewables. And you see that in lots of small communities anyway, lots of local focus on being renewable, local, you know, making sure that you're trying to keep it as environmentally efficient as possible. Do you need to take things from overseas or can it be grown locally? Openness and transparency is important. I find particularly certain North London boroughs, they make it so difficult to know what the new traffic systems are like that they really basically penalise the motorist. Mm -hmm. um, as a revenue source, you want to have greater accessibility, but greater information flows. Openness and transparency should be central to all of this. Totally agree, Dad. So when's this all going to happen? When's every city going to become smart? It's evolving. It's happening. 
is happening now. Yes. Is that happening in London? Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Not if you're at Victoria Station. Not if you're at Victoria <laughs> Station. Um, but it's happening. And so this is something that all cities all around the world are moving towards. It's an important concept. At the very beginning, we talked about futuristic cities, connected cities, where other terminology is being used. But again, if one looks globally, there is a digital and data revolution. Whether you are able to access and use that information, as you touched on, can vary. But it's about making this being used more effectively, efficiently for the public good. And thus the greater good. Yeah. I feel like this episode, a lot of it is, it's been far more fluid and ethereal than previous episodes, because unlike previous subjects, which have often come from a place of negativity, such as why I can't buy a house, the environmental crisis, smart cities are something that are ever-changing and growing, and they're happening now. It's not something that we click and it's going to happen. It's moving forward. And I think my perceptions of a smart city have greatly been challenged because I had this image of very futuristic data protection and you actually clarifying that Milton Keynes is a smart city has made me really open my eyes because I would have never put those two together. Oh, you're probably unfair on Milton Keynes. Apart from having lots of roundabouts, Milton Keynes is the home to the Open University, which is one of the lasting legacies of Harold Wilson, who was a great prime minister in many respects. And Open University gives access to people, any age, any location, to better information, better education. Look, every city or most cities have their own feel and vibe. We have the London vibe. Cities are living organisms in some respects. It doesn't mean they're like Day of the Triffids or anything like that. Smart cities is a slightly different take on it. It's about using technology, data, using AI to make and allow cities to operate more efficiently. It all sounds very futuristic, but as we've talked about, it's a concept now addressing current issues that matter to how not just governments provide services and local authorities provide services, but how people can actually go about living their daily lives. And actually, it's more about people just being more aware of the small positive changes that their local governing bodies are doing in order to be smart cities, because I bet many people aren't aware of all these positives because we're so used to seeing all the negatives. Yes. Should we go and find the cat? <laughs> 